Let's pray together. Oh, thank you for that wonderful reminder through that song that your word is powerful. And we pray now for a work of your spirit in each one of us as we hear you speak to us. Through your word, change us, transform us. But most of all, show us Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Do you take a seat? I don't know if you've ever stopped to think that perhaps the greatest challenge to living a God-honoring life might be your love of comfort. Since a young boy, when I first picked up books, I've always loved The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings by J.W.R. Tolkien. Now, in case you don't know much about hobbits, they're not particularly remarkable. They eat a lot, tend to be a little bit overweight, They love to laugh. They enjoy living comfortably. They prefer living quiet, static lives, avoiding adventure above all things, because adventures are unknown and scary and can ruin one's reputation. Adventures also have the added inconvenience of potentially disrupting a hobbit's ideal meal schedule. Now, just like hobbits, we can be content with a mundane life, living out our routines, going through life, just checking off boxes. That, however, is not how we were meant to live. We are designed to live with purpose. And just like hobbits, one of the unspoken rules of our culture is to avoid risks at all costs. Take care, we're told. Stay safe. So we have insurance policies against every conceivable eventuality to protect ourselves against unforeseen dangers. Apparently at one time you could buy holiday insurance against death caused by a falling coconut. It's not just the goal of hobbits to play it safe and to arrive peacefully at a comfortable death at a respectable age. But the reality of life is that total safety can't be guaranteed. Cars are now safer than they ever have been, yet around 1,700 people are still killed in car crashes in the UK each year. And perhaps looking back on it, one of the great lessons of the COVID pandemic is that risk can be minimised at great expense and immense inconvenience, but it can never be eradicated. Our existence, if we care to face up to the reality is more fragile than we would like to think. Through history, humans have always sought to find ways of living forever, whether that's a mythical elixir of life, of medieval alchemy, to attempts to preserve life through cryogenic freezing and perhaps even the superfoods which seem to be able to cure every illness. But thinking like that, we're kidding ourselves. Life is all too fragile and we cannot control our destiny. So let me ask that question again. Is a love of comfort, is perhaps a risk of, uh, sorry, a fear of risk keeping us, keeping you from stepping out in a faith-filled adventure in service of our great God and King? Please turn with me in your Bibles to page 995. That should take you to the next part of 2 Timothy that we're working our way through these autumn months. This morning we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 11, that Alan Tower read earlier. 
And the first thing that we see here in this passage, the first point that I have is this. Paul's purpose in life was to make Jesus known, and he was single-minded in pursuit of this mission, even when it came at a cost. Look at verse 10, the heart of this passage. These are words written by Paul, one of the earliest church leaders. He first wrote these words, words to his friend and young church leader, Timothy. And as this letter is part of God's word, Paul also speaks to each one of us. Listen to these words. 2 Timothy 2 verse 10. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, Paul's purpose in life was to bring the good news about salvation and eternal glory in Jesus Christ to those God had chosen. And Paul was willing to endure anything if it meant that that could happen. Paul's own life had been turned around by the gospel. He'd been saved from death and the darkness of rejecting God. And because of Jesus Christ, he found salvation, not because of his own efforts. And now for him was everlasting life and light. But he also knew that being saved meant being given a purpose in life, a holy calling to become more like Jesus and to make Jesus known to others. Listen to how we put it just earlier in the book, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. He says this, God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life, to light through the gospel. So now Paul's purpose was to make Jesus known, and he was single-minded in his pursuit of this mission, even though it came at a cost. Now, it didn't mean he only ever preached or he only ever led Bible studies. His profession was to make tents and other leather goods. And whether he was doing that, whether he was preaching, whatever he was doing, he wanted to live for Jesus. He wanted to use every opportunity to make it possible for people to hear about him. Paul's example is very moving. We have plenty of accounts of that through Scripture. But take, for example, what happened when he went to Corinth to tell them about Jesus. In Acts 18, verse 6, you don't need to turn to it um, unless you want to, uh, but we read that Paul was opposed and reviled. He was hated because he spoke about Jesus. The natural response, of course, in a situation like that is to stop speaking about him because that would immediately make life easier. Instead, in Acts 18, verse 9, we read these words. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And so Paul stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul endured. Why? Because God reminded him that he had many people in this city. So for the sake of those people... Those that God would save through the message of the gospel when they heard it, Paul didn't stop speaking about Jesus. Our vicar, David Holloway, together with his wife, Joy, have also endured in gospel ministry at our church for very close now to 50 years. 
That hasn't been without cost to them as they've laboured, and I've seen this often night and day, to make Jesus known. It hasn't been easy when doing that involves saying or doing things that haven't been popular in our culture or to some in the wider church. So let's thank God for their example and let's pray that future leaders of our church will in the same way be willing to suffer and labour for the gospel as they have. And we thank God for them as well as for all those who've been sent out from this church, often at considerable personal cost to make Jesus known throughout the world. It is not just vicars and missionaries that are to play their part in making Jesus known to the whole world. The good news about Jesus is something that we all have a part in sharing. Through our everyday lives, in the local playground, at the bus stop, perhaps even over a cup of tea. All of us have amazing opportunities to introduce people to the Lord Jesus. A few years ago, the Evangelical Alliance conducted some research called Talking Jesus, and they found, rather surprisingly, that one in five non-Christians in the UK, after a conversation with a Christian, want to know more about Jesus. One in five. But the other interesting thing is that they repeated that research after the COVID pandemic. And do you know what they found? The statistic had changed. It was now one in three. Isn't that exciting? So why not listen and talk and pray that God would guide you to the one in three in this country, who at least in a survey say they'd be keen to know more about Jesus? Now, we won't always be sure how that will be received, but those we rub shoulders with day in and day out, those we bump into, perhaps on random meetings in our daily life, all need to hear that gospel. The Evangelical Alliance have also done some amazing research called Speak Out. It's a great um, paper. Do Google it and have a read of it. But they point out that in this country, we've got some of probably the greatest freedoms in the world to speak up and to demonstrate the love of God and the, transform, the transforming power of Jesus in our communities. And they end with a very deep challenge. That is a privilege so why are we not making more use of it? It'll help us, I think, to take on board what this passage has to say to us, that a commitment to Christ is costly. It helps if we get away from the expectation that following Jesus ought to lead to a comfortable and pleasant life. We also need to recognize that following Jesus is worth any cost. In the parable of the pearl of great price, the man sells everything he has, everything, to be able to buy a pearl. Are we prepared to give up everything we have for the sake of Christ? It's surely no accident that the story of the expansion of the Christian faith around the world is littered with examples of men and women who did precisely that. So that's the first, my longest point. We are to make it our purpose to make Jesus known, even when it comes at a cost. But secondly, this passage helps us to think about how is it that we can become more outward focused? What is it that will keep us doing that, even when it is hard? And that brings me to my second point. And that's very simply this. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. We see that 
exactly taken from verse 8 and verse 9 of 2 Timothy. Paul says this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So Paul tells Timothy to remember Jesus. What does that mean? Well, he's focusing Timothy's attention on Jesus himself, on Jesus' power and his glorious majesty. The purpose of a follower of Jesus, in simple language, is to big up Christ, to tell everyone who will listen why he is so amazing. So we need to remember for ourselves the beauty, the grace, the love of the Lord Jesus. Daily, we need to remind ourselves of why that is true. We have to keep our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus so that our words are about him. Did Timothy really need to be reminded to remember Jesus? Yes, he did, and so do we. How easy it is to get so busy in our work for him that we forget that Jesus is not information to share, but a person to relate to, a person to love, a person to worship. But we also need to remember Jesus because he is the ultimate example of verse 10. Jesus is the one who endured everything for our sake so that we may obtain salvation now and eternal glory. And so we're to consider Jesus' example so that we will be helped to keep enduring despite suffering and cost. And in these verses, there are two particular truths about Jesus that he highlights here. His resurrection and his kingship. He tells us that Jesus is risen from the dead and he is the offspring of David. Jesus is risen from the dead. What does that mean? Well, remember that Jesus suffered the cross before he went to heaven. He suffered death, but death was not the final word. Christ triumphed over sin and death and hell and Satan. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we can be confident that this world is not all there is. One day we will have everlasting life with him in heaven. Verse 10 called it eternal glory. Jesus conquered the darkness. He conquers death. On the cross, he promises, he promised the good thief that the very, that very day he would be with him in paradise. And three days later, through his resurrection, he promises those who love and follow him that they too will join him in paradise. Where those who follow him will bask in his glorious light and be relieved of all of the suffering and hardship of our earthly journey. For many of us, however, life is sufficiently pleasant that we're not inclined to think much about that hope of heaven. But if we really understood what it, would, what it meant, what it means to be resurrected with Jesus, we would find it easier to live wholeheartedly and self-sacrificially for him now. And that is why Paul says, remember Jesus risen from the dead. But he also says, remember Jesus, the offspring of David. God promised King David that one of his descendants would rule forever. And Jesus is that great King David's greater son. This truth highlights Jesus' power, Jesus' majesty. 
And because that is true of Jesus, it is true of his words as well. The Roman authorities tried to stop Paul from preaching by chaining him in a prison. But they had no control to stop God's word spreading. You see, even when his servants are in chains, God's word is never bound. But it will go forward with power and it will be effective. Jesus is the offspring of David. And he continues to work by his word and his spirit to bring all of his chosen ones to salvation and to eternal glory. So Paul says, remember Jesus, remember his beauty, remember his example, remember his resurrection, remember his power. And that will help you, that will help us to be more outward focused. And that will keep us going when things are hard. Now, the third and final point from this passage is this. Enduring suffering for Jesus now will be worth it in the end. We see that in in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Paul, most likely here, is quoting part of a well-known confession or a hymn that was in use in the early church. This is what he says. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Now, the pattern's pretty easy to spot. If we, he will also, four times. And when when the going gets tough, it's easy to wonder if following Jesus is all worth it. Why miss out on all that life has to offer? Well, we're not the first disciples to wonder that, as we heard in that wonderful reading from the students at Nocopila School. Peter, Jesus' disciple, said to him, See, we've left our homes and we have followed you, Jesus. For a number of our mission partners, that is literally what they have done. Is it all worth it? Yes, it is. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers, or parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many more times, many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. Paul's point in these final few verses is that suffering for Jesus now will be worth it in the end. He wants us to endure. He wants us to keep playing our part in getting the good news about Jesus out there, whatever the cost. And he does that by reminding us of the benefits of faithfulness, And he warns us against unfaithfulness. These words contain a promise and a warning. You see that in the two lines of verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's the promise. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That's the warning. Those who endure will reign with the divine, powerful king. As Jesus rose from the dead, so too we will rise from the dead to eternal glory. This suffering is only for a short time. That will be forever. If we are to have the courage to suffer, we need to hold firmly to that promise that this world is not all there is, and that one day we will be raised and we will reign with him. Those are the benefits of faithfulness. 
But Paul also warns us against unfaithfulness. Paul reminds us that Jesus told us that he will deny those who deny him. So the key question is, what in verse 13 does God's faithfulness refer to here? That's probably the most difficult to interpret, the most debated. It's two possibilities. Does God remaining faithful mean him bringing people to salvation, even when they are faithless? Is Paul here ending on a positive note, highlighting God's sovereignty and control over his people, even when they prove temporarily faithless? Or does God remain faithful to the promises he made to judge those who prove faithless? In which case, verse 13 is a repeat of the warning in the second half of verse 12, just as verse 11 is a repeat of the promise in the first half of verse 12. Now, look, I I think it's probably the second of those, but either way, in these words, Paul emphasizes the urgent necessity of faithfulness, both in holding on to the faith and in telling others about him. Despite the threat of persecution or imprisonment or death, Timothy is to be faithful in serving Christ. Paul reminds him that great rewards are stored up for those who endure. But he lovingly, gently also warns him that judgment awaits those who turn away from the Lord. As Christians, we must live the Christian life not focused on the rewards of this life, but with eternity in view. And we must always remember that the eternal destiny of men and women is at stake here. These are weighty matters. Well, we need to to finish. Let me tell you the story of Adoniram and Anne Judson. They were American missionaries. They founded the church in what is now Myanmar. Adoniram was jailed and tortured for 20 months, sometimes suspended from his ankles, from the ceiling of a rat-infested jail. And as soon as he was released, his wife died from stress, followed shortly afterwards by their tiny baby. In 37 years of work, he took only one trip back to his home country. But now, Myanmar has over 4.4 million Christians. But in a country that is still a place where believers are severely persecuted. And there are countless more examples of brothers and sisters throughout the world who have remembered Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit run their race with endurance. What about you? Will love of comfort and the fear of risk prevent you from stepping out in faith-filled adventures in service of our great God and King? Might God want you to deliberately move somewhere so that those who are not currently reached can hear the good news about Jesus. Now, those who do this are not more important, more spiritual than those who don't. But it's an important question to ask, because one of the things that the church can and should do in response to the fact that there are unreached people groups all around the globe is to identify and send and support those who God is specifically calling to invest in a lifetime of cross-cultural work, as we remember this morning. How will you know if that's for you? Get involved where you can and see where it leads. Maybe make the most of those incredible opportunities to reach students and others from across the globe, from unreached people groups, right here in our city. Talk to Pearl if you'd like to know more. Or join a short-term mission team, or 
perhaps move across town to Wall's End and help our mission partner, Ben Cadu Hudson, plant a new church in that part of our city. Look, we won't all play the same role. God has gifted us differently. We're at different stages in life. We've got different pressures, different opportunities. But how will you steward what God has given you for the cause of the gospel? And remember, one thing we can all do is to pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. So if you don't do this already, start praying for God's work in the world. Make contact, if you haven't done this already, with one or two of our church mission partners and pray for them regularly. If you can, give financially to help spread the gospel to all the world. Following Jesus is the single greatest source of joy in the world. We forget that far too easily. As a church, let us remember Jesus. Let us dwell on the sheer, soaring joy of following our Saviour, who we will spend eternity with. And then let us joyfully play our part in making him known. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that he has brought us, all that he offers us through his suffering, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection. Father, give us a deep and fresh joy in the gospel. Father, help each one of us too to think how we can play our part in, what you, in telling others about you. And Father, for those who don't yet know you, we pray that they would continue to seek after you and find life in the Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray.